dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. A leader could have the best strategy in the world, but if he's unable to make a choice on how to implement it, his strategy will be meaningless. And yet it is precisely here that many of us struggle. Making a choice seems irrevocable, and sometimes choosing one way in preference to another seems like closing the door on perfectly good opportunities. But then again, not choosing is also a choice, and it's a choice that won't bring us to where we need to go. How does our faith in God help us with this dilemma? How does it help us to be leaders who decide? All right, everybody, we're going to tackle one of the most important aspects of our leadership in Christ uh, today. We're going to be talking about how we make a decision to engage on a chosen strategy. Or if you want to put it even more simply, how we make a decision about what we're going to do. Right? There's, There's a whole phase in our leadership where we sit with a problem. And of course, it's really interesting to see the different ways that people do this. So some people sit quietly and they, and they just ruminate on something. Other people talk about it endlessly. Other people go into research and look for data about everything that they can do. And of course, all those ways are right. Now, as long as they drive us to this position where then we're suddenly going to say, this is the one that we're going to go forward with. And there, a lot of people just bulk and they bulk for all kinds of reasons. I think there's three principal reasons why people struggle with this and see which one of these you fall into, okay? The first is that we say, if I choose one, then I can't have the other, right? And so this is kind of like that of a little, a little child, right? With the ice cream cones. And they're there and they want the vanilla and they want the Superman ice cream cone, right? And so which one are you gonna have? You can only have one. And oh my goodness, they'll sit there for minutes and minutes studying those ice cream cones and then break down crying because they can't have, they'll have neither of them because they can't have both of them, right? So it's, it, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a real lesson for us because sometimes we feel the same way. I mean, we can only move our organizations down one given path uh, and at a time anyway. And moving them down the given path, one path at a time, well, that means that what about the other one that could also be good? It's at times like these where many people just wish someone else was in charge. And, and I'll be darned, some of you will, will even do that. You'll turn in, to your people and say, why don't you decide? <laughs> or let's form a committee and then I'll just go with the committee's recommendation. Anything rather than saying, I'm not going to do this option so that I can do this option. It just seems to be too grave of a situation to let this possible good go in the presence of this possible good, which I've deemed to be better, right? And a second reason why a lot of us stumble with respect to this is because we know that if we say this is the way to go, suddenly we've got to leave our beloved planning stage behind. And that's just plain frightening. It's, it's, there's something comforting about saying we're just throwing ideas around or we're just brainstorming. 
when you start to put a budget behind it <laughs> and numbers and expected flow behind it, all of a sudden things get real and you, and you can become responsible suddenly for what's going to happen. And so a lot of people would, would rather not choose or they, they become petrified at the moment of that choice precisely because they see that the next step is to act on that choice and that action is capable of being judged by others and that judgment might go against them, uh, that they're now responsible for this decision. And that's what is the reason why I think a lot of people don't like to lead. It's because they prefer to stay in the warmth and the gentleness of not having to have something that's measurable, something that can fail, right? So to prefer not to fail, I prefer not to even try. And then you have a third reason that this is difficult for so many. And that's because when you make a preferential choice on how to move forward, you say, this is mine, uh, you reflect who you are onto the outside. And a lot of us have a difficulty with uh, self-esteem, honestly. We, we don't value ourselves highly enough to really trust that the choice that we make is going to have value in the eyes of others. And because, therefore, we on the inside aren't proud of who we are, we on the outside are going to be loath to make a decision that other people are going to associate with us, right? And so, in any case, any of these three have the same outcome. We come to the fork in the road and we stop there and we, we wait. <laughs> and even if we think we should go right, we're just never quite sure we shouldn't have gone left, right? There can be a type of regret in the, in the hearts of many because they come to the crossroads of life and they're always convinced that they took the wrong way, right? This is a spot though where Christ comes to meet us. This is why I'm so glad to be teaching you Christian leadership. It's because it's precisely at a moment like this and in the, in the presence of inner weaknesses like I've just discussed, that Jesus Christ wants to come into your life as a leader. And it, he will help transform your ability to make decisions. And I know that this sounds incredible because it's exactly the opposite of the logic of the world. The logic of the world says that God is the reward for the good. So if you are good and if you are perfect, then you'll, you are the friend of God somehow or other, and that then you are meritorious of his blessings. And there's, of course, something true about this. It's, it's important to be good. It's important to receive God's blessings. But what's so neat about the Christian message is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So it's not really a question of him calling the equipped. It's a question of him equipping the called. Okay, so if he's called us as Christians to follow him, he knows our inadequacies. He knows where we're going to fail him. And yet he calls us anyway to follow him and to serve him as a leader. So what does that mean? Well, it means that every spot where I find that I cannot fulfill my duty to be a leader is an open door for Jesus Christ to come in and by his grace, give me what I lack. Give me that ability that I lack. And so the, the only prerequisite for succeeding as a Christian leader is humility. Isn't that amazing? It's the humility to stay in the fight, to stay in the arena, to not give up on the, the, the ability that you have to influence this world in his name, simply because you find yourself inadequate or not up to the challenges that it's requiring of you. Okay, no, I'm not saying to hang on and do things no matter what, but I'm saying to discharge your duties where your authority has placed you. And when you know that Jesus has given you a role, to count on him to then fulfill it. And this are, there's a fundamental truth that's at work here. And it's that most people are unaware of their desire for a savior. You have to get really deep inside 
before someone's willing to say, yes, I need God. Most of us want to spend 99% of our days uh, going through our life not needing God because then it's almost like we don't want to bother God or something, right? So we want to just prove that we're capable of doing everything in the eyes of other people. And yet God is smiling at us to say, I will enter your life by the door of mercy. And so if you have a certain weakness that's making it difficult for you to make decisions and you're in a position where you need to make decisions and you find yourself paralyzed every time you get to that spot, open your heart to the Lord and ask the Lord to come to help you to be strong in the face of one of those three reasons why most likely you're holding up in your decision making. And I'm going to actually go now and show you how Jesus wants to meet you in each of those three areas and transform you into a leader who's capable of transforming others. Are you a young adult between the ages of 23 and 35 and wondering what God is calling you to do next? Do you have a desire or vision that you just can't seem to complete? Then come to the Rise Above Retreat, March 19th through March 25th at the St. John Institute in Denver, Colorado. For more information, visit www.daregreatthings.org slash riseabove. So we're talking about a situation we all know well, right? We've, we've, we've thought up an idea. We've been creative in our brainstorming. We've selected of the many possibilities, you know, one or two or three that seem really good. And now the moment has come for us to say, and this is what we're going to do. This is our plan, right? To put ink to paper, to make the critical decisions to do this and not to do this, to say no to things, right? And it's really hard. And I would almost say the more entrepreneurial you are, the more that this is a difficult moment. Because the entrepreneur has a, has a wonderful knack, almost like a, a, a climber, a rock climber, right? Of, of being able to find every nook and cranny possible to lift themselves to the next spot. And when you're climbing a, a rock face, you don't necessarily know all of the moves you're going to make. But you know that if you can just move your hand to this next hold, you can shift your weight just enough to be able to find that extra half an inch to move your other hand to the other hold that you didn't think you could get before. And so by making a small micro adjustment, you actually change the landscape of your possibilities. And an entrepreneur does this automatically. No matter what, they just keep moving forward. They keep looking, they keep looking until finally they find that royal highway and then they go down it, right? And so in that, in that capacity, you need to keep your options open. You need to always be looking for what's the most advantageous given this, this or, or the next circumstance. And, and so sometimes it can even be repugnant towards strategy. But when your organization gets established enough, you got to kind of leave that way of thinking behind and become real strategic about where to place your resources and behind what objectives and at what priority. And there, oh, oh we can kind of flounder because we can say, oh man, I mean, whew, I want to do them both. I need to do them both. I don't want to close the door on any of them. Right? And, and, and I went through already, there's three main reasons we do that. Right? The first main reason is that we're scared that if we have one, we can't have the other. And so we don't want to make the wrong choice. We'd rather have both. Right? And so since we can't have both, we stop. And the second is that we realize that now suddenly we have to pass into action. And things are going to get real and I might be judged and I might fail. And so the, free, the, the fear of failure uh, reaches up and, and just freezes me on the inside. And then, of course, the third way is that my name is going to be attached to this. 
And I'm not quite sure I'm proud enough of who I am to really say that this is the one that I want to choose, right? Any of those three inner weaknesses can stop the whole process. And suddenly we're, you know, we're relying on committees to make decisions for which no one's responsible and no one's driving the decision forward. And, and you could be a really good brainstormer and a really good person at pointing out the needs for things. And yet your organization can fail because the law of an organization, as you know, is that the organization depends upon you to provide the decisive leadership to not only invent the way forward, but to make decisions at critical moments to keep everything going forward. That's a whole different skill set, and yet it's equally important. So this is where when our Lord calls you to spots like this, you mustn't be afraid. I know it's, it's easy to be afraid. Fear is the easiest thing, right? But a leader, the number one quality of a leader is courage. We have to stay courageous. And humility in front of Christ will keep us in that arena. Okay, I might want to run away, Jesus. I might want to say that this is impossible, but you've put me here. You know, I'm thinking of sometimes the fear that parents feel in front of decisions that are critical for their children. Should we pull them out of the school because the school is teaching doctrines that are antithetical to the Christian faith? Or do we keep them in the school and just increase our parenting about the faith around them? Uh, or do we homeschool our children? I mean, uh, what do we do with, the, with respect to the one child who's really developing incredibly and the other child who might show some delays? Why are they showing delays? What am I supposed to do to help them? What if, but I don't want to slow the other one back. You know, what, what's the right decision to make? In our business, in our parenting, you know, we, we have to find the way forward. And a lot of times we might be good at coming up with ideas, but it, we won't pass to implementation until we own those ideas and say, of the many, this is the one. Now, fortunately, this is where Jesus comes in. And he goes into the very, the very first situation, right? Which is to say, if I choose one of these two options, then I won't have chosen the other one. And I can't be sure that the other one isn't right, right? So here's a great thing about Christianity. It's the doctrine of divine providence. And it goes like this. God already knows which one you're going to choose. <laughs> and he has foreordained in his providence to meet you along the path that you choose and to give you every grace to do what is right. And so if that means that you need to correct your course or you need to pull back or you need to do whatever you have to do because somehow or other the, the decision that you made wasn't the right one, he will provide for you providence. He has foreseen from all eternity what you're going to decide at this moment, and he has already decided to meet you on that course. And it's either going to be to change your course and to provide you with an open door to get you there, or he's going to teach you a lesson that's incredibly more important than even making the right decision here. Or he's going to say, you did the right decision, and I'm bringing you all the way to the end goal there, and we're going to celebrate in victory. Now, the, the secret to this is that it's a matter of faith. You can't necessarily see it ahead of time. You have to walk in faith, everybody. I'm really sorry <laughs> that you can't offer proof to say, I know I made the right decision. And there, again, is an invitation to Jesus. The, very, the, the, the fact that you feel so exposed in front of your decisions and you're always wondering whether you made the right one is actually an invitation for you to surrender to God's loving mercy for you, right? There's a beautiful prayer by, by Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk uh, in Kentucky, who wrote this beautiful prayer and he said, Lord, help me to, to remember that the desire to please you does in fact please you. Right? 
I have to make a decision one way or the other to move my organization forward to get along a given strategy. Well, how, what's the right one? I might not know for sure, but I can't allow my heart to somehow say that I'm so scared that if I make the wrong decision, somehow or other God will punish me, somehow or other I will have sunk the ship. No, no. my job is to make the best decision that I can, given the information that I have, and that I need to trust that God is pleased that at least I'll trust him, right? You might not be able to make the right decision all the time, but not making a decision is the wrong decision every time, right? So I need to be able to say, okay, between these two or these three options, this is the best one, so help me God. And let's take a step forward, see what changes and what develops, and trust ourselves to God. I'm really sorry, my friends, but being a Christian leader means you have to be Christian. <laughs> you know, it might be nice to be like, you know what, I just want the magic book, the road plan to show me how I get from point A to point C. Well, you know, you don't get the roadmap. There's no roadmap in this stuff called life. You walk with the Lord, listening to him the best you can. And then realizing that if he hasn't told you directly, it's because he's confident that he will be leading you indirectly. And, that's, and so what's the indirect leadership of God look like? It looks like following your heart, following your mind, and not being afraid that somehow or other you're going to screw up the divine plan that actually he has foreordained for all eternity. Have some confidence, my friends. <laughs> We're not God, but he is and he's got this world in his hands. And so let's free ourselves up from that undue fear because our people are counting on us to move us, move the organization forward. And that's our job. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30 minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So we remember there's three main reasons why we're going to pause in front of making a strategic choice amongst the many possible ways we could do it, selecting the one that we want to do. The first is a fear that if we choose one, we've chosen the wrong one. We'd rather have both, right? That way everything stays alive. And then the second one is to say that suddenly we realize we're going to have to act on this. And if we act on this, well, judgment will be able to be rendered against our decision. And so can I really be sure and go back enough to say, can I, can, how can I be absolutely positive that the one that I'm choosing is actually the right one? Because now we have to move out of the warmth of the comfort of brainstorming into the cold air of actual reality. And this decision may or may not work. Right? So it's a similar to the first in that it's a fear of failure, but it's slightly different because this one isn't so much just a fear of failure. It's a fear of action. And it's something that our, a lot of our young people really struggle with these days because you, you could have the you know, young people who are very well educated and are really wonderfully you know, endowed with gifts as so long as they're in college, so long as they're in safe environments where the approval of others is the arbiter of success. But when they have to move outside of the purview of the judgment of their elders into the, the real measure of what is good on the inside, a lot of them flounder. They simply cannot find another way to measure greatness beyond the, the positive judgment of their peers or of their elders or of the system that's around them. 
And so they stay instead of leading boldly and taking their teams and organizations into a new place, which is the definition of leadership. They want to stay in the process of constantly deciding, constantly questioning, constantly rebuilding. Right. And so, and, and so where does Christ come in there? That's again, a great doorway for the Lord. Because this thing I, I noticed when it comes to Jesus is that he never hesitated to throw his apostles into new scenarios where they had to either sink or swim. I mean, you take Simon Peter and you make from him, who's a businessman, you know, a, a fisherman, you know, a vendor of, you know, poisson, and you make him the head of the church who's now no fewer than 50 days after the day Christ rose from the dead, he's standing himself in front of the same high priest and the same council that crucified Jesus, a council that he was afraid of, and he's proclaiming salvation to them. I mean, like, if there's, you could, he could feel quite inadequate to speak to the religious authorities of his own religion about their religion. <laughs> who is he he's not a rabbi he wasn't trained for all of this and yet he did it boldly and our lord puts us in positions like this all the time i mean who of us feel that we're really adequate to leading the charge i mean this is how you grow you get put into a place where you can't do something until you can and it's precisely in that gap between what you think you can do and what you're called to do that true leadership is born. I'm amazed at, at when you listen to the stories of, of those who went boldly where no one has gone before and who, who successfully found a way forward in otherwise impossibly looking situations. They all have something in common. They learn to prefer the hard, cold air of the solitary decision to the warmth of an opinion that's not acted on. It's almost like learning how to fly. You know, when you, when you fly, you're not attached to the earth. There's no security underneath you. Flying is actually falling just at a, such a fast speed that you don't yet hit the ground. <laughs> and and so it seems glorious to fly. But when you're flying, you have nothing keeping you up in the air except your forward motion. And it's extremely uncomfortable. Most of us would prefer to just walk slowly upon the earth with all of, with ourselves touching security at every step than to soar into the heights where at the price of security, you gain forward motion and success. There's a risk, in other words, in everything that we do. But I think sometimes I, I, I just like to remind everyone though that we were made for this. Just like a boat was not made to stay in the harbor, Right? You, didn't, you don't make a boat to keep it in your garage. You make a boat to put it on the water. Oh, but if it's put on the water, it's going to get hit by the waves. I mean, you're going to go up and you're going to go down. You might, you might capsize. All kinds of things might happen to your boat, right? You could become very afraid. If, you're, if your boat is in the water and your water can drown you, then you're at risk by being in a boat. But you know, we made a boat to be able to take the waves. <laughs> and so a boat going up and down and going back and forth is actually not a problem. It was made for that. That's amazing. And our human humanity, our human soul was made for the, the, the decisions that are involved in action. We actually weren't designed to be inactive. We were designed to go forward and to adjust. And we've been equipped by that way, that way by God. I'd like to simply remember, you know, as a Christian leader, where Christ comes in here is that he's asking us to have the confidence and trust in his power 
to be able to do what we think we can't. It doesn't mean we're always going to win. It doesn't mean we're always going to be successful in the eyes of the world. But it does mean that we are always willing to try. Because in the end, what we were commanded to do was to love and to put our talents at the service of others. It was, we weren't committed to always be on the winning team and to make sure that no one can judge us because maybe we'll be wrong. We were commanded, on, on the other hand, by Christ to try things. Our final judgment, I'd like to remind everybody, is going to be on what we did, not on what, we, we, what team we thought about doing or what great ideas we like to sit around and talk about, but it's going to be what we did with those great ideas and how we chose to implement them. And there, there's a beautiful opportunity. Real love looks like real action. And then, of course, the final obstacle to our, to our choice of a strategy is just because we don't really believe in our, ourselves enough to really put our name behind something. And I can understand this. This is a, a very personal thing. Uh, and, and it's something that I, I think the majority of you, or majority of leaders in our world today, suffer from. It's a, a real, we could almost say it's humility but it's not really humble enough. <laughs> I think a true humility looks at weakness or looks at imperfection as an opportunity for God's love to shine through, right? And especially when we're truly Christian, right? True humility doesn't keep us from action. True humility keeps us in action. Right? So if your sense of I'm not good enough is, is, is inclining you or keeping you from saying, therefore, this is going to be my choice. Uh, realize that I actually encourage you to look differently at it, to say, well, I'm not very good, but this is the best that I can do. We have to learn, in other words, to let the love of Christ so seize us and so grasp us with desire that it, we overcome ourselves. You know, in the end, is this really about us? You know, is our organization really about us? Am I going to put my own emotional you know, judgment of myself in front of the good of the organization right? or the family or whatever situation I'm supposed to lead? Well, of course not. I'm going to say, well, I'm here as the servant of these others. And so even though I might look badly upon myself or have a bad sense of self-esteem and therefore be reticent to say, this is my choice, I'm going to move forward. Nevertheless, I re my humility in front of Christ says that if, if I'm so imperfect, Lord, put me in a different position. <laughs> if I'm really not the one you want to be here, then somehow or other, you know, find a way where I'm not supposed to be here. But as long as I am here, I owe it to the people, your people, to serve them by this means. And so we make those decisions. We tread boldly. We tread in confidence and faith. We tread in great love. And we allow our humility to let Christ steer the ship. We make the decisions we have to make not because of us, maybe many times in spite of us, but because of Him and the people we're called to serve. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.